Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. Uh, before we begin, we want to put out a quick content warning on the topics we'll be discussing. Some of them are definitely triggering, so please keep that in mind as you enjoy today's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Emotional Duct Tape. I'm Jamie. Yes, you are. And I'm Corey. <laughs> um, and we have a guest that is very near and dear to my everything, <laughs> truly, my heart, my soul. Um, and uh, Paige, she is uh, going to lead us through some pretty crazy stuff. <laughs> but she's one of the strongest people I've ever met and really inspires me all the time and just has been one of the greatest friends I've ever had in my life. <laughs> next, next to me, next to me, of course. Next to you, that's true. I mean, really, I, I do, you know, uh, I've been very lucky in recent months and years to uh, gain some really like, you know, ride or die friends, <laughs> really. <Quality people. laughs> yes, and you know, it's, we've been, we've been through some, some shit together already. <laughs> in these past couple of years and um you know i just i know i can always count on, on you so thanks Same. thanks for being my friend oh my and god welcome so to awesome. the podcast i'm so excited <laughs> thank you for being here Paige. um it's, very welcome it's, your rep reputation precedes you in so many ways no exp no 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 pressure as you're about to go on a podcast and tell your story no no oh, no pressure to to wow us or to make us like you more because we like you already so <laughs> that's true true <laughs> you just get to be you which is the best part that's the best um so basically you know give us give us a rundown where do you want to start <laughs> well i mean i'll just start with the basic intro i guess um, sure my name is Paige. i um originally am from new york i have been down in florida since 1997 I currently am working as a police officer for a local agency here. Um, and I've been with that agency for almost 18 years, June will be 18 years that I, uh, I've been with them. And it's probably the best love-hate relationship <laughs> I have ever known in my entire life. Um, I am currently divorced of three and a half years and I have an adopted 11-year-old daughter. Best kid, my favorite kid. <laughs> I think she's everybody's favorite kid. <laughs> she really is. She's a special child. Um, but you know, you raised her, so that's how she got that way. <laughs> so, so already I'm hearing your story, and there's a lot of complexity involved because, um, I mean, I, I know you're gonna tell the full breadth of the grief, but I mean being divorced, being a single parent, having an adopted child, which comes with its own set of complicated feelings. Plus your, your, you work in, in law enforcement, um, which, which is a really crazy time right now to be involved in that kind of world, especially with everything going on um, in the world and in our country specifically. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, I mean, if I'm allowed to use certain language, it's, it's nothing shy of a shit show. Seriously. You know, um, like that's why I said, it's like the best love hate relationship ever, you know, because I know when I started this career, 
it was something that I've always wanted to do since I've been a kid. And I never really lost sight of that goal. I may have been detoured here and there a few times with college and work and, you know, living on my own, but I always came back to why I wanted to do what I'm doing. And there are a lot of times when it's really, really rewarding. And there are a lot of times when I get home at night and, you know, I just let it all out and cry behind closed doors, which is stuff that people at work never see, would never see. I would never allow them to see. Um, and that's the hate part of the, the job, you know? And like I said, that's just the job. That's not adding in the complexity and all the layers of the onion that you have to peel back with the last three and a half years of my life, which took a turn that I never, ever thought I'd ever seen in a million years, to be honest with you. Yeah, so let's get into that. Okay. <laughs> Jump right in, both feet. Here we go. Buckle up. <laughs> tell us, tell us. <laughs> it really is a crazy ride. And when I'm able to, um, not only did I promise myself, but I promised a lot of people that are on my side, um, which is literally everybody, um, mm -hmm. that I would produce a book. <laughs> yes. So, um, I'd probably be here for five days straight telling you all the ins and outs of everything that's happened in the last three and a half years, but I'll do the best I can to give you a breakdown. Um, so 2011 was a really crazy year for me. Um, I had ended a 14 year relationship that I was in with somebody. And I had been on my own about six months living in my own place, um, trying to refigure out who I was after 14 years of being with somebody because I'd been with that person since I've been imagine. 21 years old. <laughs> I can't imagine. So now here I am in mid 30 something, you know, trying to figure it all out again, which is super fun. Mm -hmm. um, but I was enjoying the ride. Um, in the midst of it, I had found out and my family had found out that my dad had terminal uh, brain cancer. So we were dealing with that. And I'm still working, trying to, <laughs> you know, do my thing as a police officer. And it was, it was super, super tricky. But I was also um, running our juvenile program at our police department for explorers, which are kids that eventually want to go on to become cops someday. And I was asked to work in the capacity of a drill instructor at this boot camp for about a week, which meant I was going to be away out of the realm, out of you know the touch with communication for seven nights and eight days. No phone no seeing family, you're just stuck in this sand pit hellhole of the camp at the end of July in Florida oh with a bunch God. of like, you know, teenagers, right. super cool. Um, it was probably on the second day that uh, I had met Jen and um, I'll never forget the day that we met. It was pouring rain out of this camp. We couldn't really do anything. So I'm standing in the hallway of my cabin and I'm looking out the door and I'm watching this girl that's obviously another police officer. And she's standing there with a laptop and she's trying to like get cover from the rain underneath the porch of this little hut that I'm standing. And I'm looking at her, I'm like this poor girl. So I go outside and I'm like, do you want to come in? And she looked at me and she's like, please. <laughs> and from that day forward, you know, that was the person that truly did become my person and became my wife. Um, 
and it came at a time, like they say, like, you know, love sometimes happens when you're not looking for it. <laughs> I certainly wasn't looking for it. I mean, <laughs> right. I had just been out of, you know, a, a really long-term relationship. You know, I'm dealing with the fact that my dad is dying. Um, and I'm in the middle of this hellhole with all these kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so <is> she. <laughs> but it, you know, she had her own story as well. Um, you know, she had been divorced about eight months when we met. She oh, was wow. married to a man. Um, before she met me, he was a cancer survivor. She had, you know, she had six months clean, so to speak, or, um, you know, cancer free from lymphoma. So the two of us kind of found like a really uncanny connection with everything. And I think that's what really kind of sucked us both in. But it was fast. It was furious. It was intense. It was like all these things that like people tell you about when you know you're truly like in love with somebody, you know. Anyway, fast forward, um, 2014, we get married down here. Beautiful ceremony, all the friends, all the family, like picture perfect. People tell you it's the best wedding they've ever been to. Oh, I'm sure you know? if, you, if you were there, <laughs> if, you were there. Wedding, if you were there, <laughs> it was a good time. <laughs> Five days after after our ceremony here, we flew up to New York where we were legally married because at that time, uh, Florida did not recognize gay marriage at that at that time. They they they, they caught up to speed about a year later. Um so we had to fly to New York to make it legal. Um and shortly thereafter, we were pursuing our dream of becoming parents. Um it was not possible for either one of us biologically to have kids. You know, I, at the age of 32, I had to have a hysterectomy due to precancerous conditions. Um, my ex-wife, like I said, had lymphoma. So that killed any chances of her, you know, being able to produce eggs, but she was able to carry. So we went through a very lengthy and expensive process of IVF therapy. Um, $35,000 later and two miscarriages later, we were not able to, um, have kids with her to carry. So we decided to become foster parents and literally at the end of the eight weeks of becoming foster parents, we were approached by the director of the program that certified us that said, listen, you know, you're both police officers. I couldn't ask for two better people and a very, very unique situation that never happens. And it's like, I hate to do this to you guys, but do you want a kid like right now? <laughs> like not to foster, but it's a child that, that needs to be adopted. And we looked at each other and we were like, oh my God, this is it. This is all this heartache, all that this was meant to be. Like, this is, it got us this moment, like right here. So without even knowing the race or the sex of the child, we said yes. And, you know, it was probably one of the best days of our lives. Well, what's, so I'm, I'm hearing this story. I'm, I'm, I'm going to just put you on pause for a sec because this is, this is amazing. It's like, um, you, there's, it's so complex because you have these moments like where, you know, you're grieving and mm -hmm. you both have your own situations Right. And then you find each other. This is like your solace. You yes. know, and so it's it's kind of like this you got you you've gone through some like it seems like really significant highs and then really low lows in your lifetime. And that I think I mean lends itself to, you know, the the relationship you created with your partner through grief, you know, through through having, you know, situations with that when you met each other. 
and then you kind of fell together and and you were able to lean on each other and then you get married you start your life together and then you go through this this infertility situation mm-hmm. which in then, itself is is yeah it was horrible it was so a horrible. whole level of grief that i can't even imagine <laughs> so yeah so then you go to this grief level to where you're like okay i found the person my, my person and now i i we want to to make our our love grow our family and and share that love we have for each other and then you find out well the way you want to do it is not the way it's going to happen but then you find out you got this glimmer of hope just like when you first found each other when you were when you both were hurting so badly it's like hey there's this kid that needs somebody. Do you want to be parents? Yes, let's do it. So it's kind of like create like all these different conditions that are just ups and downs and ups and downs, but still kind of pushing you in the same direction still. Yes, like 100%. And like in the midst of it, like I completely forgot to even mention, I had mentioned in the beginning about my dad being terminal. We did lose him a year later in 2012. Okay. And, you know, her like being there through that, you know, having had cancer herself, like, it meant everything, you know, because she was that rock that I needed because my family needed me, mm-hmm. you know? So I was so grateful to have found her because she had been through similar, even though she, thank God she didn't lose her life, but um, she understood, you know, and I was able to give me the strength I needed to be there for my family to get them through that loss, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's, that was a whole other separate part of like grieving. Yeah, that's that's just it's so it's so wild. It's but yeah, yeah, yeah. and I haven't even gotten to the best parts yet. Right. So. Yeah, and, and yeah, and I, you know, I didn't realize. Oh, I, you know, I always forget. I always forget <laughs> to have tissues around. Corey, you, this is your job to remind me. I'm just gonna grab them real quick um, because I know myself. <laughs> yeah, J- Jamie, Jamie's. I'm sure she's told you, but she's like the resident crier, so. I, it's fine. I cry it's fine. every episode. Like, like we tell our guests, it's a point of pride if you can make Jamie like cry. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I cry every episode, but it doesn't. But it's always with true emotion. Um, <laughs> um, so, sorry about that. Um, but yeah, it's. I don't think we've ever we have heard a story so complex and full of grief of every kind, you know, the, the fact that you had to have a hysterectomy as well mm-hmm. in all of this. I mean, like, I, I actually didn't know a, a lot of this. I know. <laughs> I'm so. not one to really like, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's because of, of my career choice. Um, it's kind of made me um, jaded, hardened in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, desensitized in a lot of ways. Um, and I'm not saying I'm happy about that or proud about that, but I think over the years with the amount of stuff I've been exposed to, it naturally becomes like a defense mechanism, you know? Sure. And I'm working on that. I really am. I'm working on <laughs> but, it. But yeah, but you know, I, I mean, I maybe because we're so close that I see this a different side of you, Yeah. you know, but like, I think your, what your, your strong suit is, is compartmentalizing. Yeah. And it's not that you I mean, cause I don't see you as a hardened person at all. I see you as a, like, to me, it's strength less hardened, you know? And you've just kind of had to put everything into its categories and mm-hmm. say, okay, this is, this is my burden to bear. 
<laughs> yeah. And this one, I, I have to let go. And mm -hmm. I think that's really um, important for what you do. And it doesn't make you, a, you know, it doesn't make you bad or um, hard. You know what I mean? It's just, it makes you smart <laughs> to be able to do that. So you have, you have personal grief situations. You have a lot of them in your life. Mm -hmm. you're also it's also expounded by the fact that you're in law enforcement which comes with i mean it's a very significant burnout rate for that job um so going through these initial things i mean are are you trying to you, you compartmentalize but are you going through therapy are you are you finding any sort of significant way to express or to get out those that that pain and that grief instead of just internalizing it the whole time Yes, absolutely. I, um, especially since the last three and a half years of, of my life have been especially um, traumatic and full of turmoil and just the unknown for real. Um, I've been with the same therapist and um, <clears throat> she actually specializes in cluster personality disorders, um, narcissistic personality disorder. And it's not because I have those disorders. <laughs> it's because it was discovered that my now ex-wife is um, more than likely suffering from one or multiple of those disorders. And having her in my life for the last three and a half years to kind of put a name to the face of everything that I didn't know why I was going through what I was going through or what this stuff was, right. it made it a little bit less scary because I tend to be a very black and white and technical person in some aspects of my life, not all. And I think when it comes to having to understand the psychology of, of people, it's a lot easier and accept, more acceptable for me to like understand truly mental illness. And when you experience somebody with mental illness to the capacity that I have, you understand that the propensity for it to create a, a form of mental illness within yourself mm. compounds and is super likely, you know? So I think learning the recognition of that, for me, these last three and a half years, being in the right type of therapy, I also belong to um, support groups for narcissistic abuse. Um, I've been a guest speaker on a lot of like Zooms for that type of, um, I think, um, survivor dumb, if you will. Yeah. Um, so that's well, why, like, I really was so glad that you, that yeah, stuff. I am. Yeah. So I, <laughs> and I work out like six days a week. Like Jamie knows I'm like an absolute monster <laughs> when it comes like the gym. So instead of like taking medication, which I'm very proud of the fact I've been able to get myself off of the last few years um, and convert that into, you know, taking out of, out of the gym and, you know, giving back to my health physically, as well as mentally, like has been everything. So like, those are my addictions now, yeah. the gym. We love this. <laughs> my we therapy. love to hear this, you know, um, my support groups. <laughs> there's, you know, in a, in a lot of our episodes, everybody touches on the different kinds of therapy. And, you know, this is really important. Um, I think, you know, for some of our listeners who, are, you know, just dipping their toes into their, their grief and what they're going through. And just to hear how positive, you know, your experience has been and the resources mm -hmm. you use is really huge. And like, um, you know, I, I know myself, like I was not educated on 
the different kinds of therapy and things. And, you know, I went to one therapist once and I cried through the intake and, and, uh, and that was that. And so, you know, it's really nice to hear that, like about these different kinds of things and, and educating people on that, because it's not, um, talked about enough. It's not, you know, it's not. Um, so I want to get us back on track to the day that one of my favorite people on the planet, aside from you and aside from Corey, um, (laughs) Miss Ella came into your life. Um, Probably like the greatest time ever. So (laughs) it was um, April, end of April of 2016 is when um, she was gonna be converting from the current foster home she was in to us permanently. Um, and that's when we got to do all the really super fun, stressful stuff with DCF and having people in our homes consistently for six (laughs) months and, you know, making sure you have this and you have that. And, um, you know, as exciting as it was, it was too super stressful because we're like, I mean, like, do they know what we do for a living? Like, we're okay, you know, (laughs) (laughs) um, but still it was, it was all part of the process, different, but like super exciting, you know, right down to, you know, cleaning out the second bedroom and painting it and putting flooring down for her and the bed and the curtains and knowing like what colors she liked. And it was just like, you know, being able to bring that new baby into the house that we never thought we'd have. And like, now that day is here, you know? So um, yeah, April of 2016 is when she started to have like weekend stays with us to try to get to know us. And I'm like, this kid took to us immediately. Like it was crazy. You know, she knew she had to close one chapter of her life and, you know, she was finding her forever home. Was she six and, or seven? Um, she was five. Five, actually. okay, okay. Yeah, she was five. Oh. And um, she was that kid, you know, that when she was removed from her biological parent, she was like four, four and a half. So she mm. remembers, she remembers all of that. You know, she comes from a lot of trauma herself, you know? So we were really proud of the fact that we were going to be that last stop. And I mean, don't forget, she was with a foster family for close to a year before she ended up coming to us because they wanted to move out of state and they had two biological kids of their own. And when she was an option, I hate, I even hate to use that Mm. word, but I don't know what, I don't know really how else now to convey it in the terms of what I'm trying to convey. Mm -hmm. Um, They did not want to adopt her because they were moving out of state. And it was going to make the process a lot more difficult for them. So they opted not to adopt her. Mm. So she kind of went back into the pool and that's when they reached out to me and Jen at the very last class we had to go like, listen, this may be a little bit premature and we're kind of like on like winging a prayer right now that you'll (laughs) say yes, but, (laughs) and we said yes without even hesitation. So, um, yeah, on February 14th of 2017, we stood in a courtroom full of our most loved ones, friends, families, coworkers. I mean, we, we probably had a hundred people in this courtroom. Oh. And um, right, I know, <laughs> Corey. Oh. <laughs> it was special. It was really cool. Uh, Ella was officially adopted. So, oh, so, so what a great Valentine's Day is even more relevant than than ever. Yeah, sometimes I want to burn the month of February down. But <laughs> <laughs> also, I was married. We were married officially up in New York on my birthday, which is the 20th. So, mm. yeah. 
Great yeah. So, you know, when did things start to change for, for you and Jen? So <clears throat> we adopted Ella, like I said, on Valentine's Day, 2017. This is another day in history I'll never forget because this was the end of my life as I knew it on a lot of different levels. Um, April 8th, 2017, I lost one of my really good friends um, who is also a police officer who works at the same department as my ex-wife. Um, <clears throat> we were the only two females at the time in the county that were on SWAT. So we had a very um, special friendship bond. Um, she lost her life down in the keys to a drunk driver. Mm. What? Yeah. Like the chances. The chances, yeah. The, the chances. chances are just like, you know, um, she was something else too. I mean, probably one of the most gifted snipers, marksmen I had ever seen. Cause that, 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 that's what, those were our jobs, you know, on SWAT. Yeah. We like to kick in the doors and play <laughs> with the boom badass. booms and all this kind of stuff, but <laughs> she's, we like, were... down, she's downplaying. <laughs> yeah. You know, we were just like, you know, snipers. <laughs> So casually, just whatever. Snipers. <laughs> All our listeners are like, "What?" Right? <laughs> they're, they're pausing it. They're like, "Wait, did I just rewind?" <laughs> so it was, um, yeah, it was a devastating loss because <clears throat> I was off to work that day, and I remember Jen answering the phone. It was exactly at seven o four in the morning, and <sighs> I could. She was smiling at who she saw was calling her because it was a, a friend um, who at the time was an upper position at that department and was a good friend in the same respect. So it was nothing to see a smile or a laugh or a giggle when the certain person would call. And Jen thought no different. You know, she was like, it's a little early. Like, why? <laughs> She's looking at me like, I don't, I don't know, answer the phone. Um, and immediately Jen's face went from a smile to it was at this moment, someone flipped a light switch and the gen that I knew was no longer the gen that I knew. Mm. So mentally something in her shifted and snapped so severely that I have never seen that person ever again. It was almost like the, like the straw that broke the camel's back, like all the trauma and grief she'd been through. And I think I realized at that time that Jen had a lot of unresolved mental illness that I knew nothing about. And I was about to find out the hard way about her disorder. Um, from that point, Jen went right down to Ryder Trauma Center down in Miami where our friend's body was at. And um, she told me not to go with her, to just go to work because somebody needed to be home for our daughter. And I agreed. So I went to work. I was able to come home early to get our daughter. And for two days, our friend was on life support before they um, cut it off so that all the appropriate people, family members, coworkers mm -hmm. could say their goodbyes. And uh, she was an organ donor, so didn't surprise me she was like a hero like on so many mm -hmm. levels 
when Jen had come home two days later, this is when the dark, ugly side started to kick in. Um, mind you, like I told you, she's a cancer survivor. So alcohol was very limited in our home. Um, either one of us really ever drank. I mean, at our own wedding, she nursed the same beer for six hours. Um, she didn't like the way alcohol made her feel. Um, she would actually have physical reactions to it from rashes to just instant upset stomachs. Um, and she watched her two brothers, both older and younger, live a life of um, addiction. So, you know, drinking and drugging was honestly the last thing that I would ever see or would think I would see out of Jen. And within the few days after our friend passing, she was going out with friends from work, um, drinking ridiculous amounts of alcohol, bar hopping, house party hopping, not coming mm. home till three, four or five o'clock mm. in the morning. With a little one, no less. With a little one who we had just adopted. Yeah. And by the end of April, um, you know, and me constantly worrying about her and, you know, trying to get her help and trying to intervene, like the nastiness just was out of control. And without warning one day, she came home and said, that's it. I need to live my truth. I, I, to this day, I will never know what she meant by this. I need to live my truth. Um, you're not it. This is not the life that I wanted. I don't want you or this kid as my family. And you need to make arrangements immediately to move out of my home. It's no longer our home. It's my home now. So <clears throat> that started, um, you know, obviously she knew I couldn't just walk out the door that day, you know, mm. as I had built a life of close to eight years in that home with her, you know, but I was resorted back to a back bedroom, which really sucked. So we're still under the same roof for maybe two months, um, living that way while I'm trying to find a place to live, um, that's going to be suitable for a child as well, you know? In the meantime, I have to watch her over the next two months, self-destruct, go out. You know, I'm trying to reach out to people at her job desperately that I know she's close with for help um, to try to intervene and everything was swept under the rug. I was made to look like the crazy one for asking. And it was something that was condoned and allowed because a lot of these people I was reaching out to were partaking in the same types of behavior. So I literally had met a brick wall. Um, so it's probably the beginning of July, 2017, and she's on one of her benders. She's not coming home. I don't know where she's at. I had just come home from work. So it's 8.30 at night and she's not around. And she had left her Apple watch behind. So being the concerns, I know I'm gonna be an ex-wife soon, but still we're married. And I still have a lot of love and concern for her. I started looking at her Apple watch to see if I could figure out where she was. And I stumbled upon a text message from her to a friend where she's bragging about the newfound sexual relationship she just started and embarked on with an ex-boyfriend of hers from like 13 years prior. So at that, 
I immediately packed a bag of all my stuff and I went to my best friend's house Mm -hmm. and um, I never looked back and I stayed with them, her and her wife for a couple months until the apartment that we is was ready you know but I I, for two months I stayed in a one bedroom you know a a back bedroom in my friend's house where my daughter and I shared a bed you know for the four days that I would have her and continually just watched the utter self-destruction of my ex-wife so your daughter is is has her own traumas in her life so she she recognizes she she's probably a little more intuitive on things when things aren't going and i'm sure there's nothing really like i'm your your ex isn't trying to hide her behavior Mm-mm. to your daughter no. so you're trying to navigate your feelings mm-hmm. you're trying to help your daughter you're trying to explain to your daughter why why this is happening and and she, she i mean that that in itself is a whole complex thing. I mean, were you able to navigate that um, decently? <laughs> I mean, as, I, as best I could, yes, because Ella was still, you know, pr- fairly young at the time. She was only eight, seven, eight when this was all happening, you know, um, and she's still a little kid. And although I call her my old soul, you know, mm-hmm. she had been through a lot of her own traumas herself. And it's like, you know, her biological family didn't work out. You know, she was with a foster family for almost a year and they didn't work out. She comes to us and finally feels like she's landed her forever home. And literally within a year of being with us, that is blown to bits and becomes unstable yet again for her, you know? So it was hard, you know, it was really hard um, trying to stay positive and still work <laughs> on top you know, of all of that and then all the crap that you run into at work yeah so what's interesting too is and um i didn't say this earlier but we've talked a lot about with our guests on the podcast about their responses to grief and um a lot of times our people do talk about the positive things but i mean your ex going on a bender like this you know something something broke in her um, we don't often hear like about the the ugly side of things, but so it's it's good to tell that story because it does happen a whole lot. Um, but I, I one more question about uh, your daughter and you. Obviously, so your daughter, uh, you've gone through grief again, and then you have this person in your life who you're you're bonding again over grief. Not necessarily saying that you're projecting that grief onto your daughter, but. It's like, it's the two of you now, you know, I was raised by a single mom. So I know it's like the two of us together, we got this, you know, and um, we heard about something, one of our very first episodes with, um, with, uh, it was a guest and her, her parents had divorced and she lived with her dad and her dad started to treat her like, like that emotional support person in their life. Not necessarily like a wife would, but I mean, what was it? What was it called? Was it emotional incest, Jamie? Was that what it was? Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't see you as a type who would do that, but I'm sure there was a lot of complexity in trying to make sure that you navigate yourself without projecting those issues onto your daughter. So I, yes. it, it seems like that, yeah. Because what ended up happening, and you know, I can get into this as well, is that it's not happening on my end, but it's happening Mm. on the other side of the house when she's with my ex-wife. Yeah. 
Right. So, Very astute um, observation, Corey. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm, yeah, it's one of those things. Thinking, just, thinking about that, like relating it back to that. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I mean, having, uh, knowing you and, and being on, on your side of things, um, you know, I could totally see that that's something that, yeah, you know, obviously you're not doing, but I could totally see her doing that. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, so <clears throat> once I was moved into this, this place here that we live at, um, it was August of 2017. Um, by September, we had a hurricane in September. Um, so it was after the hurricane. I remember being back home off of deployment and <clears throat> my very first day off, I had a knock at the door by a process server and I was being served divorce papers. Mm. And the funny part about this is, is that before <laughs> I was served, um, you know, Jen was trying to like keep that bait and hook going with me, you know, like keep me like, baited in, hooked in, like, you know, it's just divorce papers. It doesn't mean that later on down the road, something couldn't change or like, she would always keep that like avenue of possibility open, which she knew was a huge like hook and a trigger for me, you know? Yeah. Manipulation big time. Oh yes. And again, this all goes back to learning about what true narcissistic personality disorder is and what they do. So, so thinking back to your relationship with her, I mean, it's easy to say hindsight is 2020, but mm -hmm. um, do you think there were signs? I mean, obviously, Oh yes. I mean, but you're looking back going, going, wait, Oh shoot. This, this was a sign that probably yes. this wasn't. Yeah. As I became more familiar and educated on what narcissistic personality disorder and, and true borderline cluster B personality disorder was, um, I had no idea at the time what I was being groomed for. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until after the fact, and it wasn't until after the fact through the investigations that are now occurring in my life because of everything that she had done. Um, truly understanding about the people in her past and the discards that those people had to experience were just as cruel. I think mm. I'm the worst discard of her life, but, um, oh, please. there were plenty of discards, <laughs> you know, that people had gone through. And of course I was only told her version or her side of the story. But when I actually found out through having to hire investigators and all kinds of lawyers and everything to work on my now current cases for me, um, exactly what she was and it was scary because you know there were a lot of red flags I feel I ignored I didn't know what love bombing was sure and I'm glad you're bringing this up yes I'm really glad you're bringing this up because because remember back in the beginning when we first started talking I told you how intense that connection was between me and her and it was mm -hmm. fast and furious and instantaneous and it was just like unlike anything else I ever felt in my life they are very, um, they're like predators, you know, so they find people that they know they can suck in and manipulate. And although I was a very strong person physically and everything like that, she knew I was going through a lot emotionally mm -hmm. between coming out of a 14 year relationship. Granted, it wasn't like yesterday. I mean, I was on my own for six months, so it's not mm -hmm. like I was, you know, but I was so, also in the throes of dealing with my dad who had terminal brain cancer and, you know, knowing that I was going to lose him, you know, 
um, and throwing in her own spin of, well, I'm a cancer survivor as well. You know, like I didn't see these things when they were happening, you know, and when somebody's becoming your person, like you never think that later on down the road, you would see this ugliness from somebody, you know? And there's also got to be too, like, um, with the complexity of this, because I mean, you were, you were treated in this way. You have to, once you get through that and get through the process, you have to forgive yourself for, because I, I think, I know me personally, I like to blame myself when I, when I, I let myself fall prey, quote unquote, but it's a lot of, um, realizing that something that happened to you was not because of you and yeah. and, and realizing mm -hmm. like it's okay i it's it's cliche the goodwill hunting scene it's not your fault i mean it really is like no, it's it's but but you know people the way people treated you is not because not because of who you are it's because of who they are and yes. so you have to be able to forgive yourself. Enough. It took me a long time to accept that <laughs> and understand yeah. that, Most you know, and through a lot of my support groups and even my own therapist, they say, listen, you know, true narcissists, they, they don't, they don't go after weak people. They go after the marketable, strong people athletically, you know, mm -hmm. they have good jobs. They're making <laughs> strides in their jobs. You know, like they're the people that stand out in the community. Those are the people they're going after. They're not going after, you know, because they need a good source to be able to suck you dry for a while. Well, there's your ego boost, your compliment right there. Like, Hey, like you're <laughs> desirable. <laughs> True. <laughs> but I never would see, like, I, I never, I, I'm very humble. So I don't, yeah. I, I don't see that side of it. Sure. You know, it wasn't That's until. I keep telling you. <laughs> and I will keep telling you and I will keep telling Corey and I will keep telling all of you who don't believe in yourselves as much as you should, you know, uh, I think you do a really good job of recognizing nice. it now and everything, but I'm, I'm never going to stop telling you guys because it's the truth. And we tell ourselves things sometimes that are, are not true. And we don't tend to listen to what people are actually saying to us. Mm -hmm. You know, we let our own thoughts like overrun that. And it's like, wait, but you know, has anybody actually said to me like, Oh, your hair looks bad. Like, no, nobody's saying that to me. I'm thinking that, you right. know what I mean? But what I, what do people normally say? Oh, your hair is beautiful or whatever it is, you know? And it's like, we're, we're our own worst enemies sometimes. Oh, <laughs> no, without a doubt, you know? Yeah interesting so yeah so thinking about yeah so you're going through this process um so and i i mean it it seems like it's even though it's removed a bit it's still got to be fresh enough that it it, it draws <laughs> up <feelings>. well <laughs> i have like daily reminders so i'm i'm kind of like getting to the the crux of when everything the apex of when everything really um took an insane turn for the worst. Um, so I had mentioned, you know, this hurricane in September of 2017. And, um, you know, obviously her and I both had to be deployed for over a week um, away from our homes because of the hurricane and everything mm -hmm. like that. Um, and once, once we were able to come back home, um, I had found here at the complex that we had power and I don't think we, I don't think we lost power at all or very long if, if I'm, you know, yeah. mistaken. So, um, 
immediately I'm getting the crying phone call from Jen that the generator at the house wasn't working and she had no power and there was no refrigerator and asked me to come over to take a look at the generator. And in my head, I'm going, why don't you ask the dude you're banging right now to come take <laughs> right? a look at your generator, you know, but I didn't, I, I, I reserved myself because I'm still thinking that there could be a chance. So I do the right thing. And I go to the house and I look at the generator, I get it started for her. And I tell her, listen, you can't be running like multiple things. So you have to understand like, what is it that you want right now? Do you want like electric, you know, everything hooked up so you can at least take a hot shower or do you want the refrigerator? Do you want the AC? Like what it gets, you can't put all these things on with this type of generator. Okay. 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 So I left feeling pretty good that I had gotten it going for her or whatever. And I go back home. And as soon as I go back home, she's blowing up my phone again. And she's like, the generator blue, I have nowhere to go. And I'm just like, I, I didn't know what to say. I'm like, okay, I'm really sorry about that. And she goes, well, can I just pack up my stuff and come there and stay with you? So I was like, <laughs> oh, I don't know how I feel about this. But again, I'm still thinking, well, this could be a segue. This is a good thing that she's asking to come right. stay with me, you know? So I allowed her and she ended up being at the apartment for five days until her power was restored. Laundry, she would call me at the end of my shift if I was working and she happened to be home earlier, just like when we were married. And, you know, what do you want me to order for dinner? What do you want me to start making? You want to pick something up on the way home? You know, you want to watch this on Netflix tonight? And I was just like, a total mind fuck, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the minute her power went back on at the end of the five days, she couldn't have gotten her crap fast enough out of my apartment (laughs) to go back home. Unreal. And the whole time I'm thinking, well, where's your man? Where's your boyfriend? You know? Not one word hiding her hair about it. So after she had left the apartment, like I said, a few days after that is when I was actually served with the divorce papers. And it was so, you know, so strategic because wow. it was on my first day off. She knew I would be home to be served, you know? So at nine o'clock in the morning, I'm trying to have coffee and I get served. Oh, this woman. So <laughs> that, you know, started the decline of everything and um because you weren't quite at the decline I wasn't quite at the decline so so this is 2017 so now we're going two years to 2019 of a lot of up and down roller coasters getting along not getting along in the interim like when we are getting along we're going out to dinner she's accepting expensive handbags and wallets from me on birthdays and holidays, just like things have kind of like never changed, but I knew that there was always other people on the side. It wasn't just about me. Um, you know, and there were, there was a time where we were intimate as well, being separated, you know? So again, that's all part of the mind fuck, you know? Um, so we're going to fast forward to February of 2019 and, my daughter starts talking to me about somebody that's been coming and spending weekends at the house. And it's a, it's a woman. And she tells me the woman's name. And I'm like, I've never heard of this person before. And she's like, oh, well, you know, she's a lawyer and um, she's helping on, I'm not going to say her name, but the officer that passed who was killed um, from the police department. Um, it happened to be that state attorney that was handling that case Whoa. that is now visiting <laughs> visiting my ex-wife on weekends at the house. And now my daughter's involved. <laughs> oh my so God. I was like, 
Super great. Super cool. So by this point, you know, we're in 2019, our divorce has been finalized. There's a parenting plan in place. And March, 2019, we're coming up to spring break. And Jen uh, lets me know that she's taking Ella down to Key West, where this lawyer lives for spring break to go swim with the dolphins. And I'm like, okay. Your mom of the century all Great. of a sudden. This sounds good. Mm-hmm. Knowing that the case for this agency and this officer that was killed was still open. So I'm like, how are we swinging this? How are we swinging, hanging out? I know what's going on. And you have an open case with the lieutenant of the agency of where this officer was killed. <laughs> I'm sorry, like impropriety as much. I don't know. <laughs> so I had said to my ex-wife, okay, um, well, I need an address and a phone number of where you're taking Ella for the next four days per the parenting agreement. You know, if you're taking her out of county and special and overnight, let's play by the rules. I need to know where my kid's at. I don't have a problem with you going. Just tell me where you're going. Well, I was met with a very cold response and writing of due to our past I am not giving you that information. Oh my God. And I'm going, <laughs> due to our pet, like, what is she talking about right now? Like I had no, and I'm like scratching my head going, I'm like, all right, I don't want to make the situation worse. So I'm just going to reach out to the family lawyer that was retained and I'm going to let them know. And I'm going to let them handle it because that seems the right thing to do. I'm going to take myself out of the situation. Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to let the family lawyer know and handle it appropriately. Well, that attorney goes ahead and types up a nice letter and cost me a thousand dollars to do that, to send said letter through the email, to let her know she was in violation, um, brought it to her attention that if she did not want to provide me the address, she could provide the attorney the address, but you got to play by the rules. This is mm-hmm. not how this is going to go. You don't get to just do whatever you want. Well, <clears throat> nobody heard back from Jen, my lawyer, me, nothing. And this was probably all had happened between eight 8 a.m. and like 9.30 a.m. in the morning, the previous conversation. I had been home from work that day because I had 103 fever. I was sick with the flu. I should have been at work. Eight o'clock that night, I'm getting pounding on my door. I'm getting a phone call from one of my sergeants saying, um, let me in your, your house. I need to talk to you. So I let him in and I see the sheriff's department. I see the agency of which I reside, which I know my ex-wife works at, at the door. Mm-hmm. And I let my sergeant in and he's like, so this is utter bullshit. And I can't even believe this is happening or I'm even standing in your kitchen telling you this, but you're being served a restraining order. And I was like, what, for what? Who, who's, who's doing this? And when he goes, I need to show you the paperwork. And he, he let me read it. And I, my jaw hit the floor. Like I was like, what? And I looked at all the bullshit lies that were compounded and put into this nice, neat little paragraph with the judge's signature at the end. And before I knew it, I had deputies in my home removing every firearm that I have, my badge, everything. They had come to take my car, my uniforms, stripping me completely of anything that had to do with my career. And I was immediately put on administrative leave. So I was allowed to go to work, but as a civilian. For the time she being, she went for the throat. Holy crap! Jugular. Oh yeah, yeah. jugular. It, you know, it's a very elaborate. Um, I, don't, I don't know what to call it. A plan. Scam. A scam. 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 Scam's a good one. A very elaborate scam 
to cover up her infidelity and because I mean and criminal activity right I mean that's what you know from the outside it's like she was completely like she was so deep in her own lies that she Mm -hmm. was like I I'm so fucked (laughs) sorry Corey (laughs) sorry for my language you can you can was ever been was ever been an issue like ever I mean that's true I know but I usually don't use the f word but this is just this elicits but also too, she has a lawyer who knows the ins and outs can say, okay, here's what you can do. Yeah. Correct. Oh so I'll get back to that too, because we yeah. all, you know, as, as I've learned and I've stated learning about narcissistic personality disorder, they love to have supplies, unlimited amounts of supplies that can do all kinds of really cool, fancy things for them. Um, so as a source, I was used up, dried up for her. Um, and now she's on to the next with this she really attorney. You. I mean, this was, a, this is abuse. Oh, still uh, straight up, still abusing me. Um, so I get whacked with this restraining order and I'm trying to wrap my head around like everything that's happening. And I'm like, oh my God. And the most painful part of is that whether she realized it or not at the time, she inadvertently created my daughter as a third party contact. And anybody that knows anything about restraining orders or no contact orders, third party cont- contacts are, could be your downfall. You know what I'm saying? And there was a parenting plan that should have been attached to that restraining order that was not. So it completely took the ambiguity out of time sharing with my daughter, because Mm -hmm. how am I supposed to get my child from you if I'm not supposed to be within 500 feet? I can't be within 500 feet of your family or friends who could potentially pass my daughter off to me. So how, how are we going to do this? Because even if I did try to have some sort of civil child exchange with you, now I don't trust you and you're going to use an opportunity of a child exchange to try to fuck me to say that right. I just violated a restraining order and my ass is going to jail. So no, thank you very much. All my attorneys were like, nope, we see the game. We see clear. You're, you are not going to have contact with your child. This is going to suck really, really bad, but you can't for, your own, for the safety of your child and for the safety of you. Because Mm -hmm. we clearly see we have somebody off the rails who cannot be trusted that is now abusing power and authority to continue the games. So five days after that restraining order was issued, (laughs) she took it a step further and filed for a arrest warrant for me. So I had the pleasure of coming back from lunch while on an administrative leave at my department and um, there were six deputies from the warrant squad wanting to pick me up and take me to jail. So my chief came out livid, absolutely livid, telling everybody to get the hell off his property, <laughs> that I was in his custody. And he was just like, oh my God. Now, the beautiful thing is, is that from day one, my agency had had my back like 1 million percent, saw the forest through the trees, never believed the lies and anything. And I'm so- real (laughs) like beyond grateful for these people so although I had to go through a really shitty process I knew that once I got through it I wasn't going to lose my job so that was the only like light at the end of the tunnel that I kind of had you know so I did I I took I took the trip to jail I was super fun um (laughs) dealt with that um and then funny enough um about I don't know a couple months after all of this, when we had to have our hearing for the restraining order, the judge got wind of, I had hired a bunch of really good, like really great attorneys. Thank God for these people. 
um they were we got supplies too over here we got supplies yeah, that's right Corey. <laughs> and i'm nicer people like me more than you <laughs> this big huge complaint was like generated by one of my attorneys and in, in in this two month period from the time i had had the restraining order i was arrested and um we had our first court date to hopefully get this restraining order dissolved my lawyers and my private investigators went to work and they ended up finding out like there was um depositions that were had in my case where a lot of lying and perjury was committed on behalf of jen and this new lawyer girlfriend of hers um there was a document created through the clerk of court in the tune of a domestic partnership with the guy who she was originally banging who actually has a fiance of 22 years who doesn't live with her but said she <laughs> lived with her all in the name of trying to get medical benefits through the her job was one big lie you know so now we're uncovering multiple criminal acts and she knew that I was probably really close to maybe kind of maybe finding that out on my own, which is why she made up all this crap and bribed one of her friends to like put all this shit on paperwork. And like they combed through text messages between us, between me and Jen over like a two and a half year period and cherry picked stuff to create a conversation, one that didn't even exist to make it look like we were having some sort of ugly argument. It's going to be so exhausting to be that manipulative. But this is what they do. This is what narcs do. And this mm. is how dangerous they can be when they have an agenda. It's, it's you know? I mean, you, you do need to write a book. <laughs> yes. So, you know, obviously once the restraining order was dropped and the judge got wind of everything that was going on, he was able to see the complaint and all the complexities on Jen's side of the fence and like zero on mine. He was like, yeah. And the criminal's going to follow right behind this. He goes, this girl needs to go back to work. She needs her job back. He goes, this is basically was like, get out of my courtroom. This is bullshit. Mm -hmm. So it was just like the happiest day of my life. And he said, she is to resume immediately. He goes, when you guys get out of court, you better figure out a way to get this woman, her daughter. And my ex-wife had the balls to look at the judge and go, well, I don't know if that's going to happen today. He goes, let me, let me explain something to you. It is happening today. Well, what if my daughter doesn't want to see her? He goes, yeah, no, that's, she's, she's eight. <laughs> we're, we're not going that route. <laughs> she's seeing her mom. So I was like super grateful for that judge that day. Um, so yeah, we went through all of that. And then we come to find out like, through the investigation, the lawyer that my ex-wife is with had a whole bunch of her own troubles before she even met my ex-wife <laughs> that had now started to bite her in the rear end after this case with the agency and the officer that passed away had come to close. So right after that, um, her past caught up with her. She ended up being fired from the county that she works with as a state, as a state attorney for lying and hiding evidence in murder trials. 
So she was subsequently suspended through the Florida bar. (laughs) (laughs) Your facial expressions, Corey, I'm sorry to all of our listeners who cannot see Corey's face, but you know, the eyebrows are raised. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen Corey so reactive. I'm, I'm eating popcorn over here. Like, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. It's a good time. Um, and they said that, and I, you would think like the majority of the excitement, like of, you know, would be like being a cop. No, it's my personal life. No, seriously. Like my, my job quickly became my escape. Like I was like, I will never call out sick again. I will never take vacation again. Like I am so grateful, like be at work because it totally gets me away from the shit show of like my personal life, you know? And I'm still, I like, I'm skirting through so much. Like I'm still giving you guys like the abridged version. (laughs) We might have to have like a a, a part two, you know, and definitely a recap, I think in, you know, next, in the next six months or something about where, where are you now? Jesus Christ. This is amazing. I mean, so, so does she still have custody, like partial custody? We, we do. We, we still have 50-50 custody. Wow. It's, it's been a super fun like battle with the family lawyers too. Like, so I, I, I neglected to say that um, one of my attorneys that I worked with um, felt that I definitely had enough for um, a lawsuit when it came to civil rights violations and being falsely arrested due to false report and all that kind of stuff. Talk about trauma. And I was just like, you know how hard those are? I'm like, there's, and I said, I'm a cop. Everybody hates fucking cops right now. I said, there's no way in hell I'm going to win a lawsuit against a city this big. Mm-hmm. And he goes, Beth, when I tell you we have proof out the ass, you were, he goes, you were like that 1%. When we talk about the 1% that criminal defense attorneys absolutely love, he goes, you are like that story that like people like live for when they become like defense attorneys. Like mm-hmm. you are that 1% where like, here's the truly innocent <laughs> person that did nothing except try to love this wacko. And like, right. this is what happened, you know? Um, so I said, okay. And he goes, listen, I'll tell you what. He goes, I'm not going to take anything from you up front. He goes, I'm going to file the lawsuit and I guarantee you we're going to have a leg to oh, stand on. Bless this man. man. And he was right. Um, they ended up settling and, and paying me out this past October, right before Christmas. <laughs> so Merry I won. Christmas. Yes. That's yes. amazing. That's, that's, yeah. and that's so sweet. I mean, that's another lots of lows and here comes the high. I mean, you're yeah. just, you got like this. Oh, it's this, like a wicked roller coaster, man. Like mm-hmm. I should just build an amusement park in my <laughs> mind. It'd be like a super <laughs> great ride. <laughs> and then the stomach drop. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. amazing. So yeah, so you're still going through things. Obviously, you're still you're not yeah. done with this yet by any no. means. Um, but you know, like what I, I would say, probably uh, your daughter's probably your biggest motivator for just pushing on through this life and through everything you're going through. She really is, and you know, I've worked so hard to try to protect her from a lot of this ugliness, and unfortunately, you know, my ex-wife did not have the same plan set forth and you know and that's where I feel terrible that my child is used as a pawn on that side of the house you know and she hears things and sees things that she has no business seeing or hearing or having things being told to her you know um but it's backfired on my ex-wife because it's actually made the bond between me and my daughter like even stronger because now Mm -hmm. that she's getting older she's 11 and a half like I said she's my little old soul And although she's a kid, like she's able to really grasp 
now. And sure. she's not old enough to tell the court that she only wants to live with me. Like, unfortunately, she has, she has to be at least 12 before they'll, you know, consider her for a hearing, you know, for what it is she wants. But um, she hates every second she has to be over there with those two, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just more fuel for the fire for me to just be the best parent that I can be that when she is with me for the four days, like it's me and her, there's no interruptions. She has a safe place. You know, she feels at home. Um, and that, you know, I'm truly that stability for her because I know it's severely lacking on that other side of the house. Well, what's interesting too, though, is that, I mean, she, she came into your family, you know, she, she wasn't born to your family. So I think in a weird way, I think that the bond she might have with, with your ex is not, (laughs) not as it's, it's not, it's not founded in blood, you know, in the sense of obligation, you know, it's like, yeah, she's, she's my mom, but she also is super aware of trauma because she experienced it when she was younger, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she went through all that with you. So uh, with, with your situation. So um, I, I guess that's validating for you because it, it's just shows that like, yeah, you're, you're, you're the one that she wants. So. Yeah. I, and like I said, I just, um, <clears throat> I, I still, although it's not the life that either, either me or her, saw us having or wanted um i do the best i can because that's what she deserves and that's what she was promised and come hell or high water like even if it's just me doing it for her like i try so hard to give her what i know she deserves in this life you know and try to really limit the amount of drama that creeps in you know like I'm definitely like that wall for her to protect her from the tsunami of Jen (laughs) yeah you know and and that's something that is is really important to to recognize is that you you are that person for so many people you know um and it's really incredible that you still manage to 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 do every day (laughs) and and still have to you know (laughs) so much to so many people and especially her and 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 you could see it um in her and and how you know how she behaves and and you know she does not you know exhibit any kind of I mean she's just a lovely child she's just a lovely wonderful child and um you know, I, I just think you're doing a really great job and it's, it's so, it's so powerful and encouraging to, to, yeah, of course, to, to, you know, um, watch you continue to power through and to get to your friends through it. And Whether you, you know. realize, realize it or not though, like you're, you're a big part of her life because like, you know, she's always like, Miss Jamie, like last night, just as like a quick example, there were headlights kind of shining into the, the front door there yeah and um I had to draw the blinds but she thought she saw you so oh. she's like she gets up from what she's doing she's like no I think it's Miss Jamie and then she goes no oh. it's just somebody that looks like her she goes nuts I wanted to say hi oh, I love her so much like you know but this is like there, there's so much beauty in in your story you know and there really is like that bright shining light and like look at that like that's you know that 
that fills me up like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> like I, I just I love her so much, and and so like that's that's really that's really great. <laughs> I'm really glad that you guys decided to have me on here because I you know even if I would ever come back at another time, you know whatever I'd be yeah. more than thrilled to do that. But like I said, I think bringing attention to mental health, mm-hmm. you know, even to somebody like this who is really reluctant to help or wanting to see that they have a problem. Um, and how sometimes that's a very real thing in our lives. And it's like, you know, if they are a part of your life, like, and they're not willing to get the help, how you have to conduct yourself and take care of yourself to manage the situation and yourself to stay well, you know? And I think in addition to having like the support groups that I belong to, and even, you know, speaking with you guys today to bring awareness and having a really awesome therapist, self-education has been like, so key for me like it's not even funny you know the amounts of reading books articles you know different authors you know that really specialize in this type of stuff has helped me beyond like belief that's so great um so one thing we ask every one of our guests at the end of the episode we have this mantra um that we've adopted it's we always ask our guests to finish the sentence grief is it can be a single word it can be a sentence so how would you finish the sentence grief is? It's a forever evolving process. Absolutely. Totally. That's really, <laughs> that's, that's really, that's really good. Um, that's really profound actually. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's so true. Well, every, so everyone true. thinks about grief too. And I mean, obviously you want to be able to, to process your grief um but also too like grief grief has to exist to sometimes signify you know the the love the strength you have in something too so i mean you know and um the love you have for your daughter is is so prevalent i mean and Mm -hmm. so so very clear in the situation um and i'm I'm glad i got to hear it uh (laughs) thank you yes thank you i I, I hope it gets better. I hope it's a less, less, uh, <laughs> next less, time we talk, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a Hollywood movie. It's like, a, I mean, it's, it's like a made for TV movie, you know, like about everything going on. It is. I, a I, lifetime I, situation. <laughs> you know, and it's funny because like, I heard you say earlier, like, you know, a, a lot of people do talk about like the good and I feel like I've neglected to kind of talk about that because there is just so much complexity. And yeah, I know, I understand like a lot of it is negative, but when I was first going through this, when everything kind of came to a head with being hit with a restraining order, having my job literally taken away from me, having my child taken away from me, having to go to jail. Like, I mean, it was just all within like a matter of a week that I had to experience this, you know? And if you asked the page two years ago, going through this to the page now, it's like two different people 100% because when I was first going through it like I'll be honest I'll be honest here um I'm glad they took all my guns away from me because I literally felt like you took everything from me my job my family my kid you know my identity to a degree you know and that's what a lot of people fail to realize with you know careers in like law enforcement it, it tends to become an identity with a lot of people it's not just a job 
you know, and when you strip somebody of that in such a demeaning way, especially when it's false. (sighs) Now, granted, are there people out there, police officers, all walks of life, you know, that run into bad situations and maybe they don't deserve to have the career anymore? Yes, 100%. I've worked with them. You know, it exists. It's a very real thing. And I'm not afraid to talk about that. But Mm -hmm. the positives that came from it were, you know, people like Jamie that can, you know, just 100% were there for me without judgment, you know, and didn't have to hear the other side of the story to believe me, you know, my own family coming around like weekly just to make sure I was okay. And I was eating, you know, I went from smoking two packs of cigarettes a day because it was the only vice I had. And I hadn't smoked since I've been 21 years old mm-hmm. <laughs> to changing it around to, working out six days a week, you know, training for triathlons, you know, traveling with my daughter now that I have her back, you know, actually having to pay out all these attorneys, but yet I somehow still have more money than when I was married to Jen. Like, I'm still trying to figure that part out, you know? Um, Because you're incredible. (laughs) You know, really good things, you know, happening at work where my job is recognizing me and, you know, um, making me eligible for promotions if, if I want in the near future. And it's like, you know, those are the positive things, you know, for kind of keeping your head above water and taking the high road, you know, in situations like this, because it, life made it so easy for me to take the negative route and just snap and feed into everything that Jen wanted me to be. You know, she tried to paint this picture that I was this psychopath, stalker, horrible, disgusting person. And I made it my mission to disprove every bit of that simply by being myself, who I always was, but unfortunately it had to be put under a microscope and put on blast for everybody to see the real Beth. So it became like my life's mission to undo literally everything she had tried to do to me through lies and manipulation and just really shady shit to just being myself, but a better version of that. And you know, I, I that's wanna- a positive. I do want to say too, this is what I, what I always, and I'm going to call, I'm going to call you a single parent right now. Cause that's what you are. Um, even though joint custody thing, um, being raised by a single mom, like I know moms are badass, but I will say that, um, what you've gone through, your daughter is, is seeing the way you respond to this, this crazy ass backward situation. And I'm telling you, like, she's going to see this. She's going to say, you know, wow, look what mom went through, but she's going to feel empowered mm-hmm. by this. She's mm-hmm. going to say, look at everything mom went through and look how, like, like if she, if mom could get through, you know, that plus being a, you know, being a law enforcement person, you know, she's going to see everything in your life that you are, that, that you're doing for her, that you're doing for yourself. And she's going to, when she gets older and has stuff that come up, she go, mom got through that. I can do this. So mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're setting the, the foundation for someone who's going to be able to accomplish a lot in their life because of your lead. So be proud of that. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate hearing that. That's, so <laughs> that's true. really awesome. Thank so you. True. See, I told Validation. You, you, gotta, you gotta listen to, to, to what people are saying because yeah. Corey has no reason to say that to you. Oh, I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? But but, but it's because it's true. You know what I mean? Like, but like, you know, like I tell you because you're my friend and, and well, of course, because I mean it, but you know, 
people see it, you know? Yeah. You're, so. you're super cool. We're so yeah, proud like, of you. <laughs> like I'm intimidated by you in a good way, but I also, <laughs> but I also want to give you a hug. Like I, know, right? I feel very conflicted right now. Like, like I, I don't want to mess with you, but I just want to like hang out with you, you know? So that's awesome. I would love to hang out with you. Right. Well, thank you. Thank You're very you welcome. For thank you for having this. me. Yeah. And you know, I'm actually, I want to, you know, um, at some point, you know, if you can provide us some of those resources. Oh, I will. Um, we'll, we'll, you know, add them to your episode and, okay. and, and share them with others. So just thank you for, for, for sharing this and, You're welcome. <laughs> and, and for being here and, you know, helping, helping our listeners too. I think everything you had to say was so poignant and so, um, you know, things that maybe aren't common sense, you know, that people don't realize until it's too late. So let's hope that this reaches somebody who really needs it. And that's, you know, that's why I'm really glad you guys have me because like, I understand my story is like the extreme of all extremes and like not a lot of people's situations are like mine or as complex as that. But that being said, like my point is, is you can get through stuff. You know, you really, oh, really yeah. can. And sometimes you don't realize how strong you are until you have no choice but to be that you know so well the, the thing about your story too is i mean there there's complexity to your story because of your line of work and because of the the supplies your ex had at her disposal to mm -hmm. come at you but if you look at the heart of it it's about two people who aren't together anymore who share a child mm -hmm. one has uh some very bad mental health issues and one is trying to be positive. Like that story is pretty universal. Um, you know, there, there's just the fancy frills around it that, that, you know, that you're in law enforcement and everything, but, but <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, the story is super, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait until we hit stop because um, I have a story for you for this too. So um, not my own, but I, someone I, I know. So it's, it's very, there, there's a lot of relatability here, even, even through all of it. So sure. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Corey. Thank you. <laughs> yes. And everyone, thank you for listening today. Thanks, and we'll, everybody. We'll, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs>